It's the 6th of June 2023 and I want to welcome you to another episode of Ponderland. Today on Ponderland, I am thinking about UFOs and UAPs in the light of everything that has happened in the last week, beginning with NASA's press conference on that very subject. Enjoy the show. I think it's hard not to be interested in UFOs or UAPs. It's certainly something that has always fascinated me, the idea, and I think this goes for a lot of people, that we might not be alone. You know, we're always looking for something more to all of this, and UFOs is a is a good one and all of that. It was really unprecedented to see NASA having a press conference the likes of which they had last week. They really do seem to want to usher in a new era of transparency in all of this. And while they say that they're receiving 50 to 100 reports of unexplained sightings every month, only 2 to 5% of these remain unexplained after investigation. What really fascinated me after or during the conference was a guy called Patrick Jackson. So before we talk about who Patrick Jackson is and what he's all about, let's go back and revisit the videos that were released by the Defense Department of the United States. remember the tic-tac and the gimbal so the tic-tac was an orb shaped sphere type object that was maneuvering with incredible agility at incredible speeds despite having no visible propulsion system and no visible flight control surfaces which begs the question as to how was this thing moving at speed and how was it moving in multi-directional ways again at speed. Patrick Jackson, and you can find him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Patrick Q. Jackson, and his bio is Introducing Quantum Paranormal, a 21st century analysis of the paranormal phenomena explaining UAP activity slash global poltergeist activity. So Patrick makes a direct connection between poltergeist activity, which is apparently what he was originally investigating, and these orbs, these UAPs, these unexplained anomalous phenomena. Oops. Correction alert, UAP actually stands for Unidentified Anomalous Phenomenon, not Unexplained. Although they are unexplained, so I wasn't entirely wrong. Now, this theory of Patrick's was published in the Sunday World 
And just to put things into perspective, the Sunday World is a tabloid newspaper in the UK. So I'm not suggesting that everything they publish isn't true, but there are some things that they publish that other more mainstream news outlets wouldn't run with. You're not going to find this story on the BBC, for example, but that's not to say there's no uh, credence to it. I mean, what Patrick's putting forward is theory. Okay, so this is a theory. So I guess that we can discuss theories. So he believes that these orbs are part of a global defense network, a global defense network, but not one that has been built or is being managed and maintained by our current civilization, at least the one we know. So here's the here's the premise of his theory. He was investigating poltergeist activity and while investigating within the UK, he states that he once observed silver spheres flying around an allegedly haunted house. Okay, He said the spheres were roughly the size of a tennis ball, but they were definitely intelligently controlled. He saw them everywhere. The flight behavior was unusual. They would repeat certain patterns and processes. And he believes that the spheres were operating like a scarecrow, scaring people away from areas of dangerous emissions on the pretense that the area is haunted by poltergeists. So he goes on to say, you may hear a door banging in another part of the house. This action is designed to move people away. So the further away a person is, in theory, the safer that person is. He then goes on to say that the spheres send signals to larger spheres floating about 300 feet off the ground. And these are the ones he says have baffled the US Navy. But then he goes on to say that there's a third type of sphere. So there's a lot of spheres now, right? I mean, and I haven't ever seen any of these spheres, but right, bear with me. This is, this is Patrick's theory. A third type of sphere operates higher in the sky and protects the planet from incoming threats. It's all getting a bit Avengers here, but anyway, they make a V formation and yes, they are protecting humans and I suspect have been doing so for thousands of years. The orbs surround other UFOs, are these like extraterrestrials, and disable them. That's what the US Navy are seeing. They operate as triangles and reconfigure and they look like stars in the sky reported for centuries. So it's a really interesting theory. He says that it is one that has got a lot of support from respected individuals within the military. And I can't verify that, but that's what he says. It's interesting though, because if you think back to World War II and the reports from fighter pilots in World War II and bombers, so those brave young men who were flying sorties over Europe, they quite often claimed to see strange orb-like lights following them on their sorties. And they were given the nickname Foo Fighters. So could these orbs that the pilots of World War II witnessed have been the same orbs that Patrick Jackson is talking about today? This global defense network. And if it is a global defense network, who set it up? Are those people still here? Have they gone, either passed away, become extinct, or moved on, traveled somewhere else? Who knows? Lots of theories about ancient astronauts and stuff like that. It would be 
quite the revelation if we discovered that there had indeed been a civilization much more advanced than ours way back when that have actually left us some form of global defense network that is currently still operating and presumably maintaining itself and its constituent parts, these spheres or orbs. Still doesn't tell us anything about how these orbs are moving, about how they're maneuvering, but it is an interesting theory nonetheless. So what do you think about that, listener? Interested? Intrigued? I certainly am. And I'm not saying that to say that I believe every word of it. I don't. It's, it's just, it's, it's intriguing. It's, it's interesting. One thing we do know, the orbs are real. The US military have released videos of the Tic Tac and the Gimbal. So we know they're real. We just don't know what they are. I'm going to take a quick break. So while I'm thinking about UFOs and this topic, I did come across a really cool article recently. It was actually published in March of this year. The article was published in petapixel.com and the title of the article was Hunt for the Photographer Who Took the Best UFO Picture in Existence. And there's a picture of the picture. And it's known as the Calvin photo. It was taken in Scotland, allegedly. Well, no, it was taken in Scotland. That's why they call it the Calvin photo, because it was taken in a place called Calvin, which is a remote area of Scotland. Uh, it was allegedly taken in August 1990 by two young chefs who were hiking. And apparently the pair have remained anonymous, but are believed to have captured six photos of the mysterious aircraft before it allegedly accelerated away at an immense speed. So Calvin is C-A-L-V-I-N-E. After witnessing the unusual event, the two young Scots handed the photos to a newspaper, but instead of publishing them, the Daily Record, which I believe is another tabloid possibly, and apologies if it isn't, I just think it is. I'm not familiar with Scottish newspapers. The Daily Record passed the images to the British Ministry of Defence and it was here where the photos disappeared. Dun, dun, dun. As a standard protocol, the Calvin file should have been released after 30 years in 2021. That's protocol, you know, for the release of sensitive classified files in the British government. But British authorities withheld the original photo and the names of the witnesses. <laughs> and and this is this this is true. They with they 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 withheld or marked these photos or this photo to be withheld until and the names of the witnesses, by the way, until twenty seventy six, citing privacy concerns. So the British government, for some reason, wanted the Calvin photos to remain withheld until twenty seventy six, along with the names of the guys who took the photos. And the guys who took the photos, we still don't know who they were. However, British journalist David Clark discovered that former Royal Air Force press officer Craig Lindsay had secretly held on to a copy of one of the prints. Lindsay, now 83 years old, was the first official to speak with the authors of the photo. He says that it was obvious this one was different, referring to the photo. When I asked what sort of noise 
this had made, the man said, it didn't make any noise at all. Up to that point, I wasn't treating it very seriously, but when he said it was silent, I suddenly realized there is no aircraft that I know of that is silent. The retired press officer says that after he handed the photos over to officials in London, he didn't hear any more about it and he was discouraged from asking questions. Clark is an associate professor at Sheffield Hallam University and he asked the senior lecturer of photography there, a man named Andrew Robinson, what he thought of the photo. If you're looking at a copy of the photo, the UFO is in the foreground. It looks diamond shaped. It's hard to say what it would have looked like if you had have been there. You can only see the 2D image and it just looks diamond like. There is a Harrier jump jet, very common to the RAF in the background. But this guy Andrew Robinson was asked, what do you think of the photo? And his conclusion is that the object is definitely in front of the camera. And that is, it's not a fake produced in post-production. And its placement within the scene appears to be approximately halfway between the foreground fence and the plane in the background. If there really is a solid object hovering in the sky, then what is it? Clark does not think it's an extraterrestrial visitor. In fact, Clark, speaking to another tabloid newspaper, the Daily Mail, this is a quote from Clark, I believe it was man-made somewhere in a secret hangar and whatever it was remains on the secret list and highly sensitive. You might be asking yourself the question, well, if it isn't of extraterrestrial origin, then what is it? Where does it come from? There have long been rumors of an American reconnaissance aircraft named Aurora since at least the mid-1980s. There has never been any evidence that it really exists, but UAPs such as the one in the Calvin photo fuel the Aurora myth. If I remember rightly, there was a video game in the 1980s, the late 1980s, F-19 Stealth Fighter. And I believe the concept of the Aurora was used as the F-19, along with what became, and I think this might have been the first sighting of it to the general public, the F-117A. There were two planes that you could choose from. One of them was the one that you would recognize today as the F-117A Stealth Fighter. And the other one, I believe, and I could be wrong, Ah, nostalgia. I actually started to record this podcast yesterday, and while I was recording it, I was checking Twitter and various other sources, just browsing, and all of a sudden, this story began to appear with increasing regularity. And it's a story from a website called thedebrief.org. So again, this is not a story that's being reported in the widestream media, whether it will be or not, I don't know. But a whistleblower, a man called David Charles Grush, 36, a decorated former combat officer in Afghanistan, a veteran of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency and the National Reconnaissance Office. He served as the Reconnaissance Office's representative to the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force from 2019 to 2021. From late 2021 to July 2022, 
He was the NGA's co-lead for UAP analysis and its representative to the task force. Okay, so this guy, he sounds really distinguished. He sounds like he's been at the heart of the US government's program for the investigation of these UAPs. But what did he have to say yesterday that had set certain segments of Twitter alight? I'm actually quite excited because it's now 11 o'clock, 2300 BST in the UK and Ireland. And not too long ago, I just got a notification from the Guardian newspaper, a very reputable newspaper in the UK, and it is running with this story. The US has been urged to disclose evidence of UFOs after a whistleblower said the government has possession of intact and partially intact alien vehicles. This is huge, huge. He's alleging that the US has craft of non-human origin. I hear you. This isn't the first time that a story like this has come out. Roswell, Hangar 18, I'm sure there are more. But this time, it feels a little different because this guy of such high standing and of such significant distinction is claiming that he has provided evidence to Congress of this, confirming the existence of exotic materials. We're not talking about prosaic origins or identities. It's of exotic origin, meaning non-human intelligence, whether that be extraterrestrial or unknown origin. The assessment is based on the vehicle morphologies and material science testing and the possession of unique atomic arrangements and radiological signatures. I can't wait to see this evidence, assuming that we do get to see this evidence. What is this material? What are these unique atomic arrangements and these unique radiological signatures? What are these things and where are they from? The non-human intelligence phenomenon is real. We are not alone. That's a quote from someone named Gray. I haven't read the full article. I probably should read the full article, but as I said, came out in the debrief.org yesterday. It's significant. This isn't a conspiracy blog. This is a genuine insider from a program that was made public in just the last couple of years. It just blows my mind that this is being reported on now by The Guardian because it gives the story a lot more credibility. Well, let's watch this space with interest. Thanks for listening to another show. It's been great doing this one, I have to say. I've really enjoyed it. I've been thinking a lot recently about universal basic income because the UK are actually running a pilot. I don't think it's a big enough pilot, but you've got to start somewhere, right? And I think the next thing I'll ponder on this podcast are the benefits of the uh, universal basic income. And I'll try and look for balance. I'll try and look for what the what the downsides of such a thing might be. And finally, on the 6th of June, I remember those who gave their lives on D-Day all those years ago. I think this is probably the first 
6th of June in a long time where I haven't sat down and watched Saving Private Ryan just because of how powerful a movie it is and just because of how powerfully it captures that day. Although I'm sure even that, as graphic as it was, was only the tip of the iceberg. Anyway, it has been great to talk to you all and I will talk to you all again soon. See ya! Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Ponderland. I sincerely hope you enjoyed it. To contact the show, you can send us an email, hello at ponderland.life. You can also follow us on Twitter at ponderlandlife. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and most other places where you consume your podcasts. Thank you.